Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. This is once again the definite article with me, Jim, and my chum. Uh, who is it? It's me, it's Andy, still in the box. Oh, it's still Andy. Never mind, never mind. This is the definite article where we are discussing about Tom Baker and why he is, we believe, the finest of the doctors. Remember, if you want to have any comments on that, you can contact us at TomBakerIsTheDoctor at gmail.com or Twitter the definite article. Now, Andy, it's something slightly different this time, I believe, is it not? Oh, ho, yeah, go on, let us into the big secret. Here we are. This is interesting because we've been contacted by somebody who calls themselves... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Love this. Um, Doctor Who fan ninety nine. This is this is what they call themselves a handle or whatever that is or a gmail whatever. Anyway, just betraying your age, mate, with every word that's cut. That's what they call themselves, and it's it's an email handle or something. Is that not what it's called? Come on, Granddad, get on with it. Anyway, they they've said they've obviously listened bizarrely to some of the things we've done and fed up with it. Have said, "What do we feel now that Jodie Whittaker has announced she is leaving the role of the Doctor? Where do we feel she stands in the pantheon of Doctors?" So we thought we'd just uh, give it a go and have a chat about that this week. And um, so, yeah, Miss Whittaker is leaving the role of the Doctor. Andy, throw something out there. Tell me what you think. Okay, if the question is, what do you think of Jodie Whittaker leading Doctor Who? Yes. The answer is good. See you next week, everyone. Good. You said good that Miss Whittaker is leaving Doctor Why. Tell um, me why. I, nothing against her as an actress because she's done some fantastic work, you know, Broadchurch being the one that everybody kind of knows. Therefore, yeah. but I just don't think she was the right person for the job. No, I, I think her incarnation of the Doctor has uh, no real weight to it. There's there's no gravity, and also there's no charm to it. Um, you know, when you think of previous Doctors, and I, I, yeah. I, in my yeah. brain immediately goes back to Tom, and probably his predecessors, and maybe. Peter Davison, even McCoy, who isn't one of my favourite doctors, but there we go. There's still a certain amount of charm to it. Um, And I don't think there's that. And also the the fact that the doctor was always the the brightest person in the room, two steps ahead of the game, um, willing to occasionally sort of sell his companions down a blind alley just to make his own plans work and all that sort of thing, or occasionally bumbling into things and apparently bumbling his way out, but then you discover that, you know, he either pulls a stroke of genius at the right moment or he had something up his sleeve all along. I don't believe that Whitaker's doctor has any of those qualities. She doesn't appear... She just appears like a a dopey northern girl. You see, it's interesting. A, a, um, a friend a friend of mine, somebody we both know, who's a bit bigger in the who world than us, I don't mean he's overweight or anything, but he yeah. has. Uh, he says the problem with criticising uh, Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor is this idea of the PC business, the woke, and people won't allow you to say anything negative for that. And I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I... I don't have any problem per se with a woman playing the Doctor. They've set the universe up whereby that's part of the thing. They did that with the Master and so on with Missy. Uh, I just think her Doctor is rubbish. I mean, I would. I don't know. For me, uh, her Doctor as a character, and again, you're right about her actors, but as a character comes in very, very low in all of the Doctors and the and the performance of them. Uh, because a lot of what you said is true. This goofy northerner, I, I've complete. It's completely beyond me. And, and people will be able to have a good a good example. A good recent example then is that Christmas special that was on uh, New Year's Day. I think it was. Yeah. And the Doctor was barely the main character, if at all. And certainly, as a character within it, wasn't the driving force behind a lot of what happened. Well, that's got to be another component into why, for me anyway, the show is on its last wobbly legs, because the writing doesn't seem to 
it seems back back in the olden days, Jim. You know, it it was a story about an alien in a box who'd sort of turn up to places uh, on a sort of whim or by accident or occasionally summoned, find him or herself embroiled in a, you know, an adventure, solve it, get out, move on, uh, you know, on on the the eternal wanderings of the universe, just with some some do-gooding thrown in. Now it all seems to be about moral dilemmas and, uh, you know, espousing great thoughts and all that sort of thing. And, you know, the relationships between the companions and the Doctor, I I put this down as a new Who thing. I'm not going to throw this all at Chibnall and Whittaker. It's just become dull as ditch water. Well, I think that's, that's, for me, is the big thing. That's the big change. And again, this, uh, this, uh, Christmas special sort of summed it up rather perfectly. The problem is the companions almost seem to be the main part of it all. And I think right back at the beginning of this, Russell T. Davis back at New Who sort of mentioned something about wanting the companions to be much more front and centre as, as our eyes, as it were. They were us in the Doctor Who world. And in this one, you had Captain Jack was back, oh, which God, I can't right. stand that character That's either. Absolutely appalling as a character. I mean, he's dreadful. He's absolutely <laughs> dreadful. No, he is absolutely dreadful. And, I, and I'll give people a comparison here uh, in a minute after I've said how dreadful he Go is. On, Jim. Um, but he was the main. He was the main driving force in this story. He's the guy who did all the action. He went off and discovered. The Dalek uh, embryos in Tokyo, or wherever they were, he was the one who went onto the Dalek ship and did his running around with all his cod crap. I'm bloody invincible, or whatever it is he says. <laughs> it really does, doesn't he? He comes up with all that nonsense. I'm invincible, bloody, bloody, blah. And like Barryman himself, you think he's about to burst into song at the screen. Don't you? And he 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 saves the doctor from that prison, which I'd forgotten the doctor was in at the beginning of this one again, with plucking some ridiculous device from up his sleeve. And oh, it's so the doctor is the doctor who would have found a way out of that prison at some stage. And the reason I mean let's do a brief rewind. I mean I mean looking at her regeneration story. Let's start there for a moment. Yeah. Um, regeneration stories are difficult. They are awkward. You're setting something up. And as I understand it, most doctors tend to film their regeneration stories maybe a couple of stories in. So they get a couple under their belt. They film that oh, sequence. Yeah. Well, I know that's true of Matt Smith. Um, and, oh. and I've sort of dug around that it seems to be the way for certainly a few of them anyway. But it gives them a chance yeah. to sort of establish the character. And then when they go back to film the regeneration story, then they've got an idea of the direction they're pointing in kind of thing. But already Whitaker, I think, had the odds stacked against her to a degree because she was filling Capaldi's shoes. Now, Capaldi, in my sort of estimation was the closest thing in the new who era that we'd had to tom baker you know some of the stories were shit um but he never let the side down he was as capricious as tom baker you never quite knew whether you get grumpy capaldi or happy capaldi or whatever and so there was always that slight feeling of risk um when you know as a companion who is this weirdo you're hanging out with now i think she suffered from what i'm going to call the davison complex oh my god because the davison complex <laughs> because <laughs> poor old peter davison had to <laughs> fill tom's shoes um and tom as we all know had done seven years and had turned the doctor from a sort of interstellar adventurer to something iconic. Even today on TV shows, when somebody's doing a skit about Doctor Who or something, there's always a scarf. There's always some jelly babies. You don't see them wearing fezzes or long trench coats or, you know, a leather jacket or any of that sort of stuff. It's always the scarf and the jelly babies. So Davison had to try and crack that mould, which... You know, and he was a much younger actor as well, um, you know, still very experienced and very talented and all that sort of stuff. 
But that was always going to be a problem, certainly for viewers like me, who loved Tom Baker. And suddenly you've got this slightly breezy, what does he call himself? A recklessly careless doctor who is, who's just not Tom Baker. And I think that Whitaker stepping into Capaldi's shoes had the same challenges to face because Capaldi, for me anyway, was probably one of the best, if not the best of the new Who doctors. Discuss. Yes, I I do. I agree with you to that extent. I liked what Matt Smith did. I thought he, I thought he was interesting. I thought you had the alienness with him rather nicely that you hadn't got up to that stage with any of the other doctors. Yeah. If there was any alienness with them, I mean, I think David Tennant's eminently watchable as a doctor, another fantastic actor, eminently watchable. It's all entertaining, but any of the alienness seemed very clumsily clamped onto the side of his stories all this background stuff and bringer of storm or whatever it was called about the daleks and i i agree with you on the capaldi side of things some dreadful stories but his doctor itself was interesting and to suddenly leap to this goofy character who doesn't seem to know what's going on and has to look at the others with a, oh, I don't know what's happening here. Hang on, have you got Jodie Whittaker in there with you? Yeah, come over here, Jodie. Say something else to Andy. Hello, Andy. Oh, I'm sorry, Jodie. We don't oh. like you as the Doctor. Stop it. As <laughs> Davison. Sorry, I was just wondering, is Davison Complex, do you think, also in play with the new version of all creatures great and small now? Are they struggling with that? But that that's, that's one for another day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A long, long in the future. Long time in the future. The all great creatures, creatures, small. Anyway, get it together. So listen, here's another thing. And oh my god, yes. This I think is going to be a very unpopular um, attitude to take. Okay. But I'm going to try and qualify it because I suppose to a degree this is just my longing for the past um, and. I suppose, I don't know if it's snobbery is the word, but, and I'm also aware that this, and I'm I, I'm going to call it a problem for the moment, or this issue, did start in Classic Who with Sylvester okay. McCoy. I have a problem with any doctor of any gender having a strong accent. And the reason for me is that I feel it domesticizes a character who is supposed to be a creature of the universe, why do they suddenly develop a, a regional accent? Now, I didn't really notice McCoy's at the time, but if I'm going to make this sort of accusation, I have to include him in it. But it was most noticeable for me with Eccleston. And the writer, I forget who it was, T. Davis or Moffat or whoever, had to qualify it by saying, you know, he's going, well, how come you've got a northern accent? And he has to go, well, every planet has a north. Yeah. Now, for me, that's not good enough. What I want is a character who I can't identify, who I cannot domesticize or regionalize. I want to believe that this character has been to and comes from anywhere and everywhere kind of thing. And, yet, and, and just, just, to, just to be the audience for a while, and yet you loved Capaldi. Yes, I did, but and I have to. I also have to include him in this. You know, had he's got a great voice, and I understand that an accent gives color and texture to some the way somebody speaks. But it does also, whether you like it or not, I think anyway, create something of a history. You suddenly put that person somewhere and go, well, they're from Scotland or they're from the north or whatever, and it stops being about a space creature. However, I have thought of a way out of this. Have you? Or a possible possible explanation is that maybe, could it be, and nobody's written this down yet, but what if the doctor was a bit like a baby duck and the first person they meet, they take on some of their qualities? So had Capaldi regenerated in Scotland and the first person... Oh. spoken to him had been Scottish he would have taken on those qualities that's I, I want I want it to be justifiable 
beyond the confines of somebody just coming from the north or scotland because there's no actually thinking about it now and i really hadn't but now you say that the the idea of eccleston there's a north on every planet actually it's nonsensical to do that he's just regenerated so he's not going to regenerate it into a into a northern or you wouldn't think there's any good reason for that to happen yeah and so if they made it that it was part of the regeneration process that you're effectively newborn for a few minutes and you immediately soak up the stimuli from your surroundings then i'll buy it i'll I'll take it but at the moment it just seems it it's not been addressed to my liking (laughs) no and i do think it's it is thrown into a lot of relief with whitaker's character I think the yep. her performance as the doctor it just makes her sound goofy and stupid. Well, this <laughs> is the other thing. This this goes on to my next rant. I suppose what I'm about to say I may have just unqualified by saying this, but um, all this stuff of the doctor having to be cool and using certain words. Now, her kind of thing is oh, fam. Yes. You know, oh, my, my oh, group God. of friends are my fam. Now, I'm unaware of anybody telling her that that's what they say at this in this point in time. Again, for me, it domesticizes and almost trivializes anything then that comes out of the doctor's mouth. If they use, um, if they were to use, uh, I don't know, uh, slang words or whatever from other times and get it wrong, maybe I'd buy it, but I think I'd still find it a bit annoying. I think, again, the Doctor doesn't have any need to do that unless they're trying to blend in, which patently, you know, just from the way she's dressed, she's she's not particularly trying to blend in. So uh, that's, um, yeah, I mean, and I, that's another one, you know, since, since uh, Colin Baker, she is the most obvious of a costume for the Doctor yeah. rather than clothes that the Doctor would wear. And again, I think that gets her off to a terrible start, uh, unfair on her. I mean, I don't but know. But again, is that not part of the Davison complex? Because pre-Peter, we had Tom, whose costume was towards the end of his tenure it was becoming costumey the question yes, marks are coming and the sort yeah, of yeah i didn't like that at all i didn't like the question marks i actually quite like the whole burgundy outfit but i did like that um but again is this just is this what happens after you've got to follow an exceptional doctor does everybody kind of panic in the background and go, oh, okay, we've got to make it more colourful and they've got to be, you know, so incredibly different from the way they talk to the way they dress and all that sort of stuff? Is is it the Davison complex? That's uh, I like the Davison complex. So do I. Why, of course, we should do a podcast called the Davison complex. All right, that'll be the next one. <laughs> Let's do that. It could be about all sorts of things. Remakes and stuff. It could be like the new Hawaii Five-0. Well, there's um, the Davison complex, mate. Could you apply what? to Star Trek Next Gen? Oh, my word. That's a very good... I mean, now you bring up Star Trek The Next Generation. I think this is something that uh, points to why New Who isn't quite as good as Classic Who, because I don't think it's the same series. I think you could say that... Star Trek: The Next Generation was Star Trek, a sort yeah. of a. It was, it was, yeah, it was Star Trek as it was, which meant, however many years in the future it was, was it seventy or a hundred years on from when the five-year mission ended with Kirk and the gang? Yeah. It was just what Starfleet would be, yeah. and it seemed to me you could you could buy it completely. And obviously, the stories were slightly different, and so on and so forth. However, it was quite recognisably Star Trek. And it was completely different. All the characters were different. They, they, it wasn't like, oh, we're just going to get Kirk in, but played by another actor. It's yeah. John Luke Picard and Riker and all the rest of the gang. Yeah, and I and I think that was I think that was perfectly that worked. You sort of, I know it took a while to bed in, but actually by the end it was quite superb, and people sort of have back and forth over was it better than the original Star Trek? I no, don't think it wasn't. Can... No, See you it next wasn't. Week, everyone. <laughs> I don't think again. I don't think you can argue over that. It was the the original was Star Trek, and there were rubbish episodes and there were good episodes. But that was the beginning of a series called Star Trek. However, when they tried to then stretch out 
the uh, the Star Trek universe, you ended up doing things that weren't Star Trek anymore, and they tended to be rubbish. Yeah, yeah, and, I agree. Uh, and they got rubbisher and rubbisher as they went along. And again, that will cause all sorts of controversy. But I think it's the case. I really, uh, and I think what's happened with Doctor Who now is something similar. I don't think it's the same series. I don't think it's Doctor Who as it was. And it touches on, you know, that the the idea about the companions being more important than the Doctor is take take um, Captain Crap, uh, Captain Jack. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant, Jim. That's amazing. How long did you spend on that? You could have that for free. <laughs> Write that down. Yeah. Um, he's. He, to me, was a character played much more brilliantly, much more subtly, slyly in some in City of Death by the Duggan character. Oh, the Duggan. The action hero, which Duggan was, and yet what we got to enjoy there was his helplessness. He wasn't quite up to the job. He was trying to do the right thing, but he was never quite able to do it as well as Romana and the Doctor, because he, he was a bit of a goon as well. Yeah. And Captain Jack runs around as a bit of a goon, diving into these missions and all that sort of thing, putting himself in huge danger. And yet he's not a goon like Duggan. He doesn't manage it like the doc. He doesn't see the doctor. Uh, the doctor isn't his better. You know, the yeah. doctor doesn't know things better. Doctor's an alien and, with, with millions of facts in his head and, you know, experiences from across the universe. And Captain Jack, for me, it would, it's, it, and the, as I say, I don't want to keep going back to it, but it's the most recent one, the Christmas special. He, his character in it is appalling, absolutely ludicrous. The performance, from my point of view, is ludicrous as well. I think it's like some sort of dreadful C movie action hero <laughs> from America. You know, not e not even a B movie like yeah, yeah. the Soldier or something like that. This is C movie stuff. Absolutely dreadful. Well, here's another thing. Then, if we're if we're going on to the companions, the role of the companions has changed. There, there's no arguing yeah. about that. And it appears, as you said, that their stories, their backgrounds, their story arcs, or whatever they are, are can sometimes dominate. Now, when I think of companions and my favourite companions, yes, I go back to to Tom Baker. There are a few from New Who I really do like, but I immediately think of Sarah Jane and probably Romana Mark II as being up there. Now, in the olden days, again, a companion's role really was to, to get into trouble and shout for help, which... All the companions, I suppose, Leela, you know, was, was a slight change of direction, all that sort of thing in the Tom Baker era. But that was their basic job, was to either get into trouble, create trouble, maybe occasionally save the Doctor and all that sort of thing. They were fairly, in character terms, or I suppose in, what's the word I'm looking for? They were relatively generic in what they did. Yeah. However, the... Again, you know, all the companions for, not all of them actually, there's a couple that I'll leave out, but many of the companions in Tom's era stood out, even though they were doing the same generic things. And I think that is more of a testament to them as actors than what is given to the modern companions. And like I say, don't get me wrong, there are some I really like. I love Donna Noble. I thought she was great. Um yeah, that's yeah. probably well, it. I, <laughs> I, I, I like Clara. Nobody, nobody is with me on that one. And you know, that's in spite of this bloody awful story arc she had. But I, again, that's you see, that is a modern who enemy of the companion as well is the story arc rubbish. I mean, I I really think the story arc is part of what's destroyed modern who. And I think we see that now where we've got to this stage and I and I confess not to being a huge sort of uh, watcher of it all in, in a way now where I know every detail, if you were to question me now. But this idea where we've gone so far with these story arcs, it's almost imploded the whole thing. And you've got the doctor learning she's not the doctor anymore or not a time lord, whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it all feels a bit shoehorned. It just yeah, feels... Yeah. I mean, What's that all about? The original, the original, the classic series, as it's as it's known, you knew very, very little 
about the Time Lords and Gallifrey. And when it was hinted at, it, that made it all the more fascinating. You thought, yeah. what's this all about? Where's this guy from? And, and as a Who yeah. fan, you'd, you'd go to the library or you'd buy a book or whatever and you'd dig around and try and unearth something. And that was part of the magic, a bit like in Star Wars when George Lucas went, well, they, they've all got bacteria in their blood and so they can do oh, the force. Just go, please, no, it's it's got to be more intangible than that. But I, I also think, I mean... I can understand what they've attempted to do because the companion is our kind of guide into the wacky world of the doctor and right. the the companions of the 70s 80s and it maybe it started to change in the 90s with with ace um <clears throat> but they were our kind of way in we didn't know too much about them there was no investigation into their personal problems or how they felt about being on the TARDIS for so long and, you know, what they did they suffer sort of PTSD from seeing Daleks destroy people or whatever. Right. And that seems to be the f part of the focus of what being a modern companion is, is that we do have their histories given to us front and centre. Most of them seem to be on some sort of magic mission that either they don't know about or the doctor doesn't or somebody yeah, doesn't or whatever yeah yeah but i kind of understand that you know to to a degree i kind of go okay so what they're trying to do is make them really three-dimensional but i don't feel that characters like sarah jane and romana too leela um were two-dimensional i i believe them and even though i didn't know much you know i knew sarah jane was a reporter and because of her acting abilities, probably with minimal writing, by the time she left, I was really sorry to see her go because I felt I knew her. Same with Romana. I mean, the writing had changed slightly then and she was more on the doctor's level because she was also from Gallifrey and a Time Lord slash Lady, whatever it is. Um, and again, when she went, I kind of went, oh, no, because she was great. Now, they had, compared to Modern Companions, fuck all to work with and yet they yeah. did it and, I, and i'm not saying that the the modern companion actors are dreadful or anything like that some i like some i don't but as actors they're all obviously worth their salt but i feel more admiration i think for the earlier actors who played companions in doctor who, especially those who shone because they were they had something more than lines to get them through the show and i think that the the business with the modern i i mean the the, the original obviously adric's probably one of the worst assistants of all time dreadful. companion i mean absolutely dreadful dreadful character dreadfully done i believe he was he was meant to be something like a c3po wasn't he or something or, yeah, yeah, and goes down in history as one of the most hated <laughs> companions yeah. of all time. Quite impressive, to be fair. I mean, that's something to put on your wall, isn't it? Uh, this will be the Waterhouse syndrome. I don't know what it is yet, but we'll work that out. Oh, that's another one to go for. Uh, and then when it suddenly became a team, the crash, as they called it in Peter Davison's time, oh. uh, you know, utter, utterly dreadful because you couldn't link on to anybody because there were so many of them. Yeah. And our modern day fam, again, the same thing. I think when you look at Rose, I think when she started off, she was quite an interesting character. She, she was a bit sort of street smart and all that malarkey. And that was good. It went wrong when we started having a love affair with yes. Tank Doctor. From there, you thought, now it's going wrong. Now it's going in a direction we don't need it to be in because it's well up and above and beyond the stories themselves. Now, is and, it, because you used the word, we don't need it to go in. Is it we don't need it or we don't want it? Uh, it doesn't need to be there to, for, the, for the stories if you're just having plain adventures and i think we don't want it because it diminishes the doctor i think and does guy... it turn the series into more of a soap than a than a, a, a you know a sci-fi romp that's the the most recent gang uh, graham um ryan and yes. uh, the girl yes um exactly that it was like a soap opera uh, i mean walsh running around chasing at times presumably ironically he was doing the chase was, hey. yeah come on that 
was just ridiculous. It was like a bit of a comedy soap opera at times. And that was aided and abetted by a doctor who said, oh, you're my fam and all this sort of business. Jody, will one... you keep quiet? Jim's talking. Oh, sorry, sorry Jody. You'll Jody. have your turn in a minute. Go away. Get back in the box. Was just the, the most dreadful part of it all. The, the doctor needed this gang of no marks to actually help her out. And the ending of them, where Graham and Ryan leave at the end of this series, is dreadfully painful because it's almost it's this sort of feeling of right um oh gosh we've got to make a good reason why they leave i know it's given them character growth and they all and uh ryan saying right i've suddenly i found out who i am i've we don't know that we haven't seen any any evidence of that whatsoever but is there anything wrong in that is there anything wrong in trying to give the characters a life beyond the box kind of thing I think so, but in the sense that it changes the series. Uh, and if you if you want your Doctor Who, I suppose, to be like that, okay, but it's not the same series it was. And I think that that's left, left it where it is, you said earlier on, on its last legs, and I think it is, because it's almost imploded under the weight of everything they're trying to get on it. These story arcs, this change in the Doctor and what the Doctor is, why our characters are there, the companions, how they then leave the TARDIS and what state they leave. I think it's all too much for it, as opposed to simply going on adventures. Well, you know, what we seem to be doing, Jimbles, if uh, you don't mind me saying so, is we sort of sort of scraped some of the ice off what we think of the Doctor and the Companions. All roads have to lead to the writing in this respect. What what are your thoughts on that? The what, sorry? Is that it? I say everything we're talking about ultimately has to come back to the the writing. Yes. Where do you stand on on what we've been given so far in in Whitaker's tenure? I, I think I think it's dreadful, generally. And and it's hard to say in the sense that, okay, like we did with Tom on some of our chats about his episodes, you try and place a doctor in that setting and say, okay, how how would the story have changed? Would the story actually have been extremely poor with another doctor trying to say those lines? Yes. And, and that's a rather difficult one because obviously it would have changed it. Um, but I, I feel some of the stuff that she's been given to do is very poor and doesn't come up to scratch. You know, the one about the big spider and all that malarkey in um, the the vat or whatever it was, doing whatever it was it was doing, is just very poor. The Daleks in the most recent one, ridiculous. It doesn't doesn't work at all. There's no threat there. They've become the weakest thing since the Cybermen, you know. It's just... Do you think, then, that Whitaker's performance has been completely hamstrung by the quality of the writing. And I suppose to go back to your earlier thing, were you to stick, say, the mighty Tom Baker in in um, her shoes, you know, give her those advent- give him her adventures and lines and all that sort of stuff, would he have come out any better? I think he would have come out better because his Doctor characterisation was much better. Uh, and much more interesting and much more engaging. But I still think some of the stories would have left you thinking, oh, God, really? What was that all about? And that's slightly hard to say without being very specific. And again, I'm not a big enough fan of modern who to be able to say, right, look at this story. I'll tell you exactly what I mean. So that's hard to say. However, I think if you took Whitaker's Doctor and stuck her in some of the stories that Baker did, I think it would have been dreadful. I think it would have changed them and made them very poor. Well, whose is the responsibility there then? Is it down to the the writers or is it, you know, obviously the actor has choices in how they're going to do it. But if you are given shit to play with, you're only going to make a smelly mess. I speak from personal experience. <laughs> Are they some of the scripts you've written for yourself. That's it, mate. That's it. That's the first uh, one I got. First. Uh, the yes, okay. So it's hard. It is. It is difficult. I think, as I've said, you know, ad nauseum, just just in this last half hour, I think the the modern sort of 
desperation to have these overarching visions of things hasn't helped any doctor, wouldn't have helped any doctor with any performance, however good or bad, over time. But the choices for her performance, and I don't know quite how that works in, does the actor presumably sits down with the producers and so on and says, right, what can we do? I think it's the completely the a completely terrible performance as a doctor. So or a big, terrible terrible characterization, to be fair to her. A bigger um, question then is where have the writers where have the writers gone wrong? I what think, are they doing that, that irks us so much? Well, I don't you'd have to look into lots of detail again about what their their views are on what made classic who and even now because it's been on so long what made worked or didn't work in the earlier versions of modern who what is something about it is like we said before it's not the same series they're doing something completely different with it that i don't think works do we do we then have a right to moan about it i mean if it's if we if we're acknowledging you know it, it is a different show it's not really about space adventures it's about relationships between people in a box and aliens pop in now again yeah do we do we have the right to moan about it it's for a new generation it's not really for old farts like us well i suppose so i suppose you could say that that it's none of your business this is this is a series but then i think they should call it something else in the sense of uh it's companions and also by the way here's somebody who comes along i mean i don't know that's that's a quite a harsh thing to say because i think it was very clear who the main character was with Capaldi's performance, I suppose, or again, though, you know, assistants were a big part of it. And the same going back, I find uh, Matt Smith, Tennant, eminently watchable, and yet the assistants have two bigger parts in it. It's it just funny, doesn't, it? That doesn't, you know, that doesn't work for me at all, whereas that never, for most part anyway, until the little crash turned up in Davison's time, that never was the case in classic who and i think it's made the show weaker for it and yeah. for some, some reason or other they have this sort of business of needing something else to make it interesting or they seem to believe it needs something else it's interesting and oddly enough when you look at uh, any of the episodes for instance capaldi's one of his very strongest was when he was on his own yeah and that not or whatever it whatever it's called again i can't remember the name uh, of it but that uh, yeah, I know the one you mean. The one where he's yeah. running around the castle. Yeah, his sort of, yeah, one of his final tales. It was absolutely brilliant because he's such a strong character, such a good actor. And you think, why were they scared of doing that? Why? I mean, they were for most of the Doctors, I suppose it's fair to say. It's very rare that they were on their own in any situation. But there seems to be no, no, no chance at all now of them being on their own. You know, all we got, from Whitaker's doctor being on her own was her in her cell. Now, okay, she's in her cell, but there was no, nothing interesting happening there. Nothing that taught us about the doctor. It was very, very lame, very backfooted. The most important fact in these this special type number was going down to Earth to see what the three of them would get up to. Where they were going, right? It's down to us to save the planet, and in it was predictably rubbish as they tried to. And yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. You're right. It's a difficult one. It's difficult because of, there we are saying it's a different series, and then people were saying, "Stop moaning about it." Then you go back and watch your classic Who, and stop whinging about what's modern Who. But it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the same series, which would lead to the question: Who is the best and worst Doctor? Uh, throwing around the fact that it's quite hard to judge some of them, and I and I was I would say something just out of just throwing them just out of boredom, just out of complete boredom. And Jodie's looking fed up, so we're going to have to give her something to say in a minute. But uh, I thought they treated, for instance, um, the Hartnell Doctor dreadfully in that um, episode he did with um, Capaldi, the last episode. You know, this sort of sexist bumbling unpleasant character i thought well that's some cheap shots you're flying there but um, wasn't that too i mean that that was done it, it was a bit shoehorned but you know they were holding him up as a, as a mirror for the old days and capaldi represented the new days and how we've all moved on i mean it was a bit of a sort of horrible sort of uh, 
horribly done analogy, but that's why it was there. It yeah, was. yeah, it was very, it was very clumsy. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of it at all. And but anyway, so throwing throwing in there, I think we probably know who our fave is because I of the because of our theories itself. Yeah, is is Baker? Where would then our our current Doctor stand for you in in the pantheon of Doctors? Well, you know, I mean, no sort of disrespect to Jodie Whittaker, the actress, at all on a you know on a personal level, but as a viewer of the show, um, I think she ties for me. There, there are three doctors who I have huge problems with, and they are um, from Classic Era, Sylvester McCoy, um, yep. and from New Who, uh, Eccleston, and now Whitaker. Um, those right. three will have to slug it out to find out who's the worst, as far as I can see. Did you uh, dislike Eccleston from the beginning? Because he only got the one series. Did you have a feeling that there might be something? better coming or was it just from the get-go i think i mean you know all the sort of retrospect going yeah he was suffering the after effects of the time war and all that stuff i think the late great terry wogan put it perfectly um this this was in (laughs) specific reference to eccleston he said i thought that the doctor was supposed to be the eccentric voice of wisdom not a psychotic bin man, <laughs> which is <laughs> which I, that summed it up for me. That's, it's that. That's amazing. It's brilliant, isn't it? What a fantastic saying! Oh wow! That, that for me is it. The Doctor is the eccentric voice of wisdom, and yes. I yes. haven't had any of that. I didn't get any of that from Eccleston. I didn't get any of it from Whitaker, and all I got from McCoy was this awful pantomime. Exactly, yeah, and I mean it's funny you say that because it's uh, with Whitaker, it's almost this desperate eccentricity, but there's never any wisdom at the end of it, and yes. uh, that's and that's part of that problem. And, and I that's agree something with Tom had in spades. Sorry to jump in, but he was you knew that beyond his quirks and weirdness that there was a, a brain that had soaked up experience and knowledge, and, you know, wherever he'd yeah, been. Yeah. And I know, and I know that uh, uh, Moffat at one point in some interview really gave Tom a slagging off about the, uh, basically the, what's the word, the inconsistency of his performance as the doctor, uh, you know, pointing out episodes saying, is that meant to be the same character in this episode and not? And uh, for me, you think, well, an excellent, eccentric character no of course not because he's been all around the shop and everybody makes a big deal of the adventures what happened between him going from here to here unless it was a deliberate direct story Uh, and and i think that's part of the deal that's what's part of wonderful about it of course he's slightly different he's eccentric every story was a bit of a risk because you didn't know quite which fourth doctor you were going to get and That made it exciting and a little bit worrying sometimes, but it was never boring or never mundane. And I think it's missing the point entirely to then say, oh, well, you know, he didn't, he made a complete ham fisted sort of eccentricity character doing all sorts of silly stuff and jelly babe and stuff. No. Well, that's, that's part of the Tom Baker effect, mate, in, in my that eyes, is, is they suddenly became obsessed with eccentricity because somehow that communicates alien. But there's much more to it than that. And Baker, for me, was the was the entire package. Yeah. And I, and I along with you, thought uh, Sylvester McCoy, I hated Sylvester McCoy and his characterization as the Doctor. Some people seem to talk about it oddly enough as it was interesting and there's this dark wizardry type talk of he was Merlin's that completely bypassed me. I, I really found myself, what the fuck is that all about? What do you mean Merlin? <laughs> Merlin? Nobody talks about Merlin living under Tintagel wearing some sort of strange jumper with question marks all over it. Yeah, well, they oh, wouldn't know what question marks were then, Jim. They would have been strange magical runes. Oh, I see. Is that what it was? And his umbrella would have been his magic wand, would it? That's exactly okay. it. It, it. It all, you know, you could explain away anything. Listen, before we wind this up, here is yeah. a question for you. Go on, man. So, has left. There are some names flying around as to who her replacement might be. And they are? Um, there's Chris Marshall. 
Oh, yes, yes, yeah, I know. There's uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridges. Oh, yeah. There is Joe Martin, who played the sort of what they're calling the Ruth Doctor. Um, oh, and yeah. There is Richard Iodi as well. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, either either go from that list as to who you'd possibly like to see step in or, um, you know, or just from Jim's wish list, who would you like to step in? It again, it's very, it's awkward there because I look at a number of those characters there, the number of those actors rather there and think it's almost searching for this eccentricity. Yes. This type of, we've got to find somebody like the Doctor. And unfortunately, I, what I mean by that is somebody like Tom Baker and they never seem to admit it, but in actual yeah. fact, yeah. that's what we want is yeah. somebody like that. And from that group there, you almost think you can, you can smell that off it. You can go, okay, I can see what they're trying to do here, which means I don't know who I'd want to be the Doctor. Capaldi, for instance, all I knew was this very good actor who was quite sort of aggressive in a way with what he did. And then what he turned up to do with the Doctor was fascinating and interesting and dark and so on and so forth. And again, I'm thinking, do something left field. I don't know who that is, though. I really, I really don't know. Well, of um, that of that list, I, I uh, Chris Marshall just uh, not for me, not for is me. Is he the BT advert person? Yeah, and he does Death in Paradise, I believe. Um, I've never seen that, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm, I'm, oddly, yeah, you're right. He's the BT advert. He's the boyfriend on the BT advert. Um, yeah. Just uh, maybe uh, possibly a bit too much like Peter Davison. Young, good looking, doesn't really do it for me Phoebe Phoebe Waller-Bridges I'm again just doesn't strike me as right Joe Martin I'd, I'd like because I mean her appearance as the Ruth Doctor I personally I just thought was a bit underwhelming so maybe it'd be good to see her take the helm and and give her a crack of the whip and see what she comes up with but of that list I think my money goes on Richard Iodi um, because he is a slightly detached human being or that's what he presents on on uh, tv and maybe that sense of detachment could be interesting the i mean my only feeling with that would be as long as they give him the chance to do that and yeah. don't have him with all this nonsense that goes around it uh, because at the moment the, it's in free fall uh, i think the show which is a shame which is a shame yeah, it's it's a shame for you know obviously Doctor Who fans, but it, it hasn't uh, fully materialised. That's what you're saying, Jim. Oh, brilliant. I I think it's I think <laughs> I think it could probably do with being knocked on the head now. I think that's what it needs. What forever? It, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that means they come back later on, but I think at the moment it's run its course. I think it's tied itself up in knots. I don't think it's got anywhere to go, and I think it's probably time to end it and that's difficult to say but it when it ended previously although the bbc i think were culpable in killing it off they'd never been ardent fans of it and they they killed it off it needed to end then as well it it, then it was beyond redemption in so many ways so i think yeah i think they should end it i'm not well i I think for me the litmus test has been during during my uh you know childhood I looked forward to Doctor Who every Saturday night, you know, and that's during New Who. There, I mean, I watched Eccleston's era, didn't really look forward. I just sort of sat there and rolled my eyes a lot. I looked forward to Tenant's Doctor's episodes. I looked forward to Matt Smith's and I really looked forward to Capaldi's. I really am not particularly interested in Whitaker's at all. No, I... Yeah, it doesn't interest me at all. I don't. What well, I've missed episodes of it, which I, I, I won't see, and don't think I'll waste the minutes of my life on. And yeah, it does. It doesn't doesn't matter to me. I, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed some of the stuff of Modern Who. I'm not a complete enemy of it, which may have sounded with the way we talked about some of it. I liked David Tennant. I really enjoyed his Doctor. And, I really, I think that's probably different. Actually, I really enjoyed David Tennant's performance. I'm not sure he was always the Doctor, but he was very watchable. He was funny and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I thought Matt Smith was had that sort of slight oddness that the Doctor needed, otherworldliness, and 
I like you, I really liked Capaldi. I thought he had a real chance, was hamstrung by some rubbish stories, but his performance was fantastic. In a way, in a way, almost what Colin Baker should have had the chance to do if he didn't have a stupid costume on and was given dreadful stories. Yeah. There was something there that could have been good and wasn't in the end. Um, so, yeah, I do, uh, Whitaker's, I really don't care. I really don't care about it. And she, like you, is down in my worst doctor category. With well, I'm down with, in your worst doctor category. You are? Yeah. My God, yes. I, I've seen some of your desperate attempts to play the doctor and they're absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah. Uh, me, on the other hand, well, that's something something different again. If anybody The full like package, it. Jim, the full package. It's all there. It's all there. No, I'm afraid Paul Jody's down there with Sylvester and they can fight it out over who was the worst doctor. So in, um, in sort of uh, keeping up tradition, um, out of let's, because this is a one-off special, Out of of 10, how many jelly babies will you throw to uh, Jodie's doctor? Well, uh, let me ask you first off, how many would you throw at Tom Baker's doctor? Oh, uh, well, out of 10? Yeah. um, uh, An easy nine and the occasional extra one for, for good measure. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that. And it'll be intriguing once we go through all his stories, see if it ever gets lower. But yes, nine and sometimes 10 as nailing it. And I'm afraid I'd give her probably one or two. Yeah, I I think um, I'll keep up tradition and uh, be slightly nicer than you. I'll give her sort of three or four for turning up. For (laughs) (laughs) agreeing to come to filming. (laughs) Ah, well, well, Jim, do you, you know, this was your baby, this idea. Do you want to wrap it up for us? Well, thank you. Yes, everybody for listening in. If you want to say anything at all about what me and Andy have been talking about for the last, whatever it is, 50 minutes or so, please, please contact us on Tom Baker is the doctor at gmail.com or Twitter, the definite article. Tell us what you think. We want to hear if you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, and we might get back and chat about it. But our main deal is Tom Baker's Doctor and what we're talking about in each of the episodes that he was in, whether they were good, bad, whether his performance was good or bad, the companions, the baddies, everything about it. And I think the next one's Image of Fendal, isn't it, Andy? That's it what is the doing. Image of the Fendal, Jim. Slugs oh, and oh, skulls. The, the definite article itself I've got to put in there. The, haven't I? There we are. The, it's but not Image of Fendal. Get it right, mate. Get it right. Image of the Fendal. Well, you don't want to miss that one, everybody. So we'll see you then. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye, Andy. Bye-bye, mate. Take it easy. And you.